you guys there's got to be a way to it plays every time there's got to be a way to like permanently make it where that doesn't start up that way it like, should be I guarantee you there is <laughs> I guarantee you there is <laughs> did you do that <laughs> it was sitting on the table and I was zipping it up and I was like holy shit that's loud let's do it again yeah, yeah. <laughs> now let's get all the bumping of the table and the dropping of the shit uh, the silencing oh, of the phone that hopefully fuck me what a weird goddamn week so much shit has happened um, not just this week, but I mean, we recorded an episode that you guys are going to hear, the Stitches episode that comes out before this one. And so much shit has happened in the past, what, four days? Mm, yeah, I feel like it's only been like the past two or three, but yeah, yeah. it's... It feels like we're at the end of June already. It's, <laughs> and I feel, it's I June feel like, I, like, my, like my birthday was May 3rd, mm. and I feel... Like I'm ready to turn 29. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> this week was like I am giving up on 28. 28 could just go away. So much so that we skipped over the introduction and well, everything. It's because you did a weird zipper <laughs> thing. I didn't know how the fuck I was gonna segue out of that. <laughs> God damn it! My name is Brett Bloom, and I'm sitting here with the exhausted yet still deeply, deeply gorgeous Kristen Pennington. <laughs> And um, this is Mistakes Were Made, presented by The Nightmare Box. <laughs> I got through it. Uh, and right before we did this, it is 3.30 in the afternoon. Right before we hit play, <laughs> Kristen gets up. She's in her pajamas. <laughs> I am pouring her a glass of wine. She walks over <laughs> to the windows, closes them, pulls the blinds. It is 3.30 <laughs> in the afternoon. Done with the world. And over all of you people. A very weird day. We were supposed to, I'm going to go ahead and open with this, start off on a positive note because mm. we've got some shit coming down the pipe. Um, but all week I've been excited because today Kristen and I were supposed to go to my friend Jorge's wedding. Congratulations, Jorge. Very fucking proud of you. Yeah, you're a great dude, and I, I, I wish I could have been there. Uh, only the address that you sent me while... It was a Thai restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a Thai restaurant in a bad part of town. It's got, like, the tinted windows you can't see inside. So that, May like, have been where the wedding was, like, but neither of us had the balls to go inside. I'm going into a Thai restaurant looking for my Mexican bartender <laughs> getting married in what has been described as a modern Jewish ceremony. <laughs> In a bad part of town. <laughs> I'm not getting... First of all, not getting out of the car. <laughs> walking up to the door in a suit. And cracking my head into the Thai restaurant that I can't see inside of. Looking for Jewish Mexicans. Because I don't know what Jewish Mexicans look like. I don't know if they wear a sombrero at a, at a festival. I don't know if they go to festivals. I don't know if there's kosher Mexican food. Do they wear yarmulkes? I don't know. I've never been to it. I've never been to a Hispanic... I've never been to a Jewish wedding at all. never been to a Jewish wedding. I've never been to a Hispanic wedding. I was so excited that they were both about to happen at the same exact time. <laughs> and if I'm, I'm going to be so mad if it is in the Thai <laughs> restaurant. And we missed the opportunity to do a Jewish 
Mexican Thai wedding. Thai wedding. <laughs> All that culture. <laughs> what do you drink at a Jewish event? Like, what? That's a good question. Do the Jews? Do you? They drink. Well, I know they drink. Uh, that's just. A... But cheers to Jorge. Go, go to Jorge, dude. Like, <laughs> sorry we missed your proud. wedding. We drove around for half an hour, <laughs> trying to see if it was somewhere else. <laughs> Today or yesterday, because um, this week was the third anniversary of Dad passing away. Um, today or yesterday was um, the anniversary of me meeting Jorge because I spent a couple of times over the uh, the weeks I, I couldn't I was too sad to cook and I could walk to the Mexican restaurant and so me and Jorge come conversed for hours <laughs> while I got hammered every night and ah damn just realized that go dude. I met him and he was sad and I was sad and now he's getting fucking married to the woman that he loves and that's fantastic news. Um, and now we're going to make you sad. Oh. Oh. It's been that kind of week. Where do we start? Do we dive into the sad? Because I've got some goods. the goods the We pepper the goods in there <laughs> Not just be totally downhill oh, at oh, the end. To, yeah, to get to the end of the day. So we we rushed through our morning routine, and then we got super dressed up, and then we drove around <laughs> over by the college and like all an dressed hour. up for like half an hour, just circling a Thai restaurant <laughs> looking for Jewish Mexican people who <laughs> I, I don't know what they look like, so I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know if the suits and ties. I, I don't know anything. And... Um, then we gave up on the trip because we'd circled the building enough times to where they might have thought we were coming in to rob it. And <laughs> <laughs> went to the liquor store, came home, and now we're doing this. So basically, Kristen is in her PJs. <laughs> after going to the liquor store to dress, and now she won't even open the window. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, like, we already did all of the day's chores. The only thing that got left off today is I would normally go to the gym and I didn't have time for that. We like crammed all of the day's chores into like an hour and a half, two hour period. Yeah. And so, and I got up early and like made breakfast and all that. So I'm just like at this point, I'm like, normally we would still be cleaning and I've already accomplished everything I had to yeah. today. So it's just done with the world. Nobody's ever gotten that dressed up to go buy King Cobra. <laughs> uh. the, the fucking the lady behind the counter was like, how's your day going? And I was like, I just started telling her about this wedding. I was like, it's been weird. I was supposed to go to this Jewish Mexican wedding. And she just looked at me and I was like, I'm not making this up. Okay. She probably hears that a couple of times a week, that crazy ass story. But now it's being given to her by a man in a suit and tie <laughs> and his girlfriend in a dress at a liquor store. <laughs> what interesting lives we leave. Ah, fuck. But it's a field mine of shit. <laughs> it's Kristen. Kristen said the Kristen day. might be dyslexic. <laughs> she's, she's given up. It's a long week. Can't get into Kristen's personal details, so we're going to skip around a few things. It's purposely vague. Um... But it's not been fun. What's going on is not an exciting time for, for either one of us, really. Um, 
So there's I, been I some uh, synchronicity there, though, because like you said, when we were outside talking, um, God, all of my days have run together. I don't even know when we were outside talking. <laughs> <laughs> like that might have been yesterday, but it feels like it was a week ago. Um, which I hadn't really thought about. We've um, like kind of weirdly tackled a lot of similar stages in our lives together. Yeah. Like we uh, graduated high school or not high school, graduated college like, yeah, over, it's like, over the if day. If you were some girl who was just like, stalking me in high school and I'm just now finding out, you're like, I've known graduated. you for the past decade. Yes. Just creepily breathing in the corner. So watching uh, me from afar. No, we graduated like college on the same day. Like we literally. I said we graduated college literally on the same day. Like we got to do that together. Yeah. And there's been a lot of weird synchronicities. So like even like the stuff that's kind of crummy, it's like, oh, like it doesn't feel like you have to like shoulder the weight of it all by yourself, I guess. For the most part, you know, we've, um, I've either done it or you've done it. And the stuff that we've never done before, it's like a lot less intimidating because you're not the only one that's confused. (laughs) You said we were stumbling around like children just bumping into walls. Yeah, yeah, that's all we're fucking doing. Like, like, oh, not that way. Turn we're, around. We're planning some, some big shit that's, like, coming up quick. And I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. <laughs> Who let me graduate? <laughs> what am I, where am I supposed to go, dude? Like, <laughs> just work hourly job for the rest of my life? Like, what do you do if you're not chasing your dream and you don't have children? Like, what is your, like... <laughs> hard for me to wrap my head around but uh we did get some positive feedback that's what you know what yeah. we kind of lightly touched on i got like a, a whole second. paragraph of positive feedback yeah god and that was uh sandra had hit you up mm-hmm. and then last night sorry now i'm a little i lost my flow for a second okay. yeah, come back we'll around. pick it back up yeah Kristen fed me chocolate i'm, I'm like a coke fiend on <laughs> three malties um <laughs> And then I went out last night with the guys because last night was the anniversary. And I don't know if that was intentional. If it was, they're the sweetest guys ever. If not, then my friends are the most insensitive people in my fucking life. Uh, but you had fun, little, and that's what matters. My little group of degenerates. I fucking love those guys. But uh, yeah, Jay was telling me, you know, that he, he he's been, you know, enjoying the show and. Uh, the the main bit of feedback that we keep getting is we're not watching these stupid fucking movies, but it's funny to listen to you guys talk about them. <laughs> Sandra watches some of them. Some of them, yeah. <laughs> My sister was like, what the hell is that movie? <laughs> we got Zombievers in. Mm-hmm. Zombievers came in the mail, which I ordered after a couple of drinks. Forgot I did it. Woke up to the email saying, hey... You're the first. We have to ship it from England because you're the first person in the past ten years who actually wants this on Blu-ray. Really? It came from England. That's crazy. Yeah, that's the little seventeens for. Oh. But um. Yeah, we've got a copy of Zombievers, and the Zombievers copy has um, fucking deleted scenes, which I'm going to piss myself laughing. I forgot. Director commentary. Auditions. Auditions. It's gonna be. 
the greatest shit ever. So I don't think we talked about that on any of the episodes. Brett and I talked about it ourselves. We decided, because we're already at um, 500 downloads for the podcast, so we decided probably when we hit 1,000, we're going to revisit the infamous yeah. Zombieverse. We're going to do a Zombieverse And regardless of the rating, that's going to be a two-star yeah. Tuesday. So if you want to be a part of that experience, you know, share this with people and get a copy of Zombieverse. <laughs> what if there was like a spike in the sale of Zombieverse? Oh my God. They're like, where is this coming from? <laughs> <laughs> Why are there 50 people in Middle Tennessee purchasing this stupid fucking What movie? year did that even come out? I have no idea. Let's see. Internet. Internet. But I'm yeah, we're curious so what's rated. We've set a um, an incentive for ourselves to reach a thousand um, with the promise that we will revisit the movie that started this goddamn relationship. Two thousand fourteen. Two thousand and fourteen. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. And that was kind of like um, something that, you know, we were talking about outside. Is like setting like personal rewards for yourself to accomplish, you know, small goals, big goals, you know, intermittent goals, but yeah. like um, kind of gives you like a, a, a discipline to it. Like now that we are aiming for a thousand, we get to watch the DVD. Then all the extra. We don't features. get to watch the DVD until we get to a thousand. So <laughs> a thousand downloads is fucking insane in my brain. Like insane in the morning, <laughs> um, but no, it, it, it's it's madness because we don't know what we're doing, and that happened a thousand times. We we tricked you people. <laughs> yeah, and we're halfway there. And we're halfway awesome. there. Podcast. I feel like we gotta start speaking of milestones because we unintentionally. Um, set stitches up to be episode number 20 like that just happened so this is episode number 22 <laughs> 21 21 Fuck, so bad at math <laughs> i was trying to remember how they fell so this one will come out right after stitches so this will be 21 we need a producer <laughs> i need somebody to keep track of both of us because i'm having a hard time <laughs> But, um, like, that would be cool. I feel like having milestone episodes, too. Like, yeah. incentives for things we get to do at certain episode numbers. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got to do that in a lot of different ways in life, you know? Like, it's... The, like, I don't... I'm not a fucking professional bodybuilder or anything. I, I, I lifted pretty heavy in the service, and I'm getting back into it now. But it's never been, like, my dream to be half-naked in a thong flexing <laughs> for a room full of men. Spray uh, tan. Yeah, I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. No judgment, bro. My brother's gay, too. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, there's a reason, right, that they serve pizza at Planet Fitness. I've never seen them do it, though. No, Josh saw them do it the other day. He told me about it. He goes, I was there on pizza day. That I was like, pizza day. I know my old one, the one I go to now doesn't, but my old one used to have a giant tub of Tootsie Rolls, and you could get a Tootsie Roll as yeah. you were going out the door, so and I was I th- like, I worked out today. I think it's a horrific idea that it is funded by a fitness place, but that concept of having a cheat day, so where if you keep coming back to the gym, you're going to keep meeting people and eating pizza, eventually you'll find the treadmill. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you're going to be in there hanging out with other people who are also trying to get in shape it it hardly never works like that but you can have cheat days on your own personal regimen right yeah 
So if you tell yourself, if I run, you know, these four miles today, then, you know, I'll go grab an ice cream this afternoon and not feel bad about it, you know. Um, you got to do the same thing at a creative level. Like you were talking about routine and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we get to do these little things and oh. the incentive is, you know. I think the incentive definitely helps, especially if you're just starting out, like having positive things to look forward to. I think especially make when you're still trying to like work out the routine extremely yeah. helpful because it is like this like thing you get to look forward to, which incentives are great, period, even when you get in the routine because it's still a thing to be excited about and look mm. forward to. But like on my end, the routine in general has been comforting outside of just having incentives because... Again, I'm not really going to get yeah. into it, but it's been kind of a weird week. And, um, like, I, ha- I've, I haven't really been feeling motivated to do much of anything, but I've still been, mm-hmm. like, going to the gym, and we've still been recording podcasts, and haven't still been reading, but <laughs> <laughs> the other stuff, you know, because it's, like, the routine. Like, yeah. we're used to, we go to the gym, that's what we do, and we record on Sundays and on Wednesdays, that's what we do. And we do laundry on Wednesdays and we do the shopping on Sundays. So like having that hang routine. out in our diner. <laughs> we definitely don't need to go to that fucking laundromat. So having that routine, like even when you're having a kind of crummy day has been comforting because it's like, it's super easy yeah. when you're feeling bad to sit and wallow and, you know, being productive and like maintaining normalcy to your life as much as possible is super helpful. Like, it, it makes you feel less helpless, I guess. Mm. No, it's it, it's something that got instilled in me, you know, like the routine sort of stuff. Um, because my father, my grandfather, their forefathers are, you know, like everybody, his mom. Like, it, like the, the whole group was military, and my mother was a military mother. Um, so everything, you know, it, it wasn't like hyper-aggressive, you know. Get out of bed, make your shirt. That wasn't anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you did pick up after yourself. You had small goals that you had to do. There were things that were expected of you. And it's something that it never left me, you know. Like, I need to have a mission for my day, even if it's only getting one thing done. And yeah. some days, you know, like, it, it's just too, too hard, you know. So you might only get that one thing done. But if that one thing is getting up and going to the fucking grocery store or getting up and going to the gym and you don't feel like going to the gym, sitting down and writing the story when you're afraid of the feeling that's inside of you, you know, that happens a lot with uh, with writers or painters who are afraid to pick up the pen, directors who, you know, can't pick up the camera because they don't feel like they can adequately do it. They, yeah. they feel inadequate, you know. Like you, you almost have to force yourself to do it. You have to sit there long enough. You gotta like sit in that sadness. But you can't stop being you yeah. <laughs> well, even out. the sadness is gonna be there so like you're gonna feel better if you do the things that you know you need to get done set up your little goals knock down your little you know goals even outside of just Woke having took a shower doing better than most people with <laughs> bipolar disorder <laughs> even outside Didn't of like stab having anybody today mission <laughs> Um, no, even outside of, like, having rough weeks, though, like, it's, like, we're not, like, 
hardcore, like, structured. Like, today was, like, you know, we were supposed to go to a wedding that didn't work out. But um, <laughs> it's not like, you know, you can't, like, change up the day or whatever. So it's not. Dreidel, dreidel, <laughs> everybody wants a dreidel. Uh. That is my attempt at a Mexican-Jewish caricature. <laughs> it was just offensive. But, like, there's still a lot of flexibility to our lives. It's not like we do this and then this and this, 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 and nothing else, you yeah. know? But, like, even outside of just having a rough week, like, I have never really been that way. Like, if I had to go to school or had to go to work or had homework or had bills I had to pay or anything that had to be done, like, that stuff always got done. Like, yeah. that was never, like, a, my life is just falling apart and all over the place, but, like... I would go grocery shopping when I was out of food. Like, there wasn't a day for it to just be like, oh, today's the day I'm out of yeah. food. I'm going to go buy some more. You showed up here with ramen. I, it's still there. It's still but every the time banter. I open up the closet, I think about hitting you. Like, <laughs> like, like I don't hit women. I was in college. Yeah. You were in college. We had a fucking pantry <laughs> full of food. <laughs> we're eating like kings because I buy my groceries two days before they expire. So we get to eat ribeyes for seven dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, like before we, we moved got ramen in. in there, the ramen cost more than the shit we bought today. <laughs> but before we moved in together, yeah, I was like, oh, I'll just I'll grocery shop when I happen to be out of food, and um, even like working out, like before I started doing weights and stuff like that. Like it wasn't like this was the day I'm doing this. It's like I'm just gonna go today. Yeah. So, like, it's been... Like, you might go there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You might go there at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you know. Might do some laps today. Might <laughs> do some crunches today. You never know yeah, whatever Andrew. I'm feeling when I hit the gym. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, even just in general in my life outside of, like, crummy days yeah. or whatever, it feels less chaotic having even just, like, that small amount of structure. It's like, oh, I know... Every Wednesday, the laundry will get done. And every Sunday, the groceries for the week will be bought. And even if we don't know what we're going to have tonight for dinner, we still have tons of food to pick from. You know, so it's been... The sun will rise tomorrow, and if it doesn't, who gives a shit? <laughs> None of us are going to be here to find out yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so... Here's a deeply poetic statement I probably vaguely stole from dead air but yeah structure helps in general make your life feel more calm but also when you're having a shitty day it's very comforting when you're used to the routine and you're like oh the problem could be and i I learned this um when i was going through all that stuff with dad which still going all through that shit with dad what you know not gonna lie to anybody here um what I learned early in was the routine cannot become the crutch, you know, mm-hmm. um, when everything looks like it's falling apart. Like you have to do the routine with while you're working through it. Like the trick is going to Walmart, not as an excuse to get away from the problem, but going to Walmart and continuing to try to resolve it. I, um, d- dad was being taken out of the hospital and going home on hospice. And I was taking a, um, fuck, can't even remember what kind of class it was. It was in a small room. I can't remember what they were teaching me because it was kind of, it's all a blur. Um, but I remember we got the news that he was definitely like, there's 
get your brother out of here. Yeah, and um, I went to class and I took like a final or a midterm, whatever happens around this time. And my professor was like, we can reschedule this a couple of weeks down the road and you can just take this, you know, have this extra time and shit. And I was like, dude, if I'm not here, I'm gonna be losing my fucking mind. I, I couldn't handle it. I passed. I don't know if that was uh, his doing, considering I don't even know what he was trying to teach me. But, um, You, you, like when like all of that was going on you can just get lost in the routine and then you get pissed off that your life doesn't change and that stress starts to have an impact on your personality and on your art it, it's gonna change you like Getting your ass kicked is just, you know, you, you, you're not the same after you, the first time somebody punches you. Your whole perspective on getting punched goes out the window. You're like, oh, I thought that was really going to hurt. You know? <laughs> I thought it was going to be like being dead. And you're like, oh, I'm still here. Like, Do you remember if you were still writing at the time? Like, had you finished your book already by then? No, because I, I published the book. No, not the Mad Men Diaries, the, the first. The Nightmare Box, yeah. The, yeah, the one that's still in there. Yeah. I was in the middle of all of that because I wrote most of that while Dad was in the hospital. Had you, like, when I he think came I'd home, finished, finished it, it before he died? Um, There's a whole scene in there where it's obvious that I was sitting next to him in the hospital when I wrote it because it's this whole nightmare death scene that takes place in a hospital room because I was there for like five hours. Just... <laughs> were you still writing like after it happened or were you yeah. did you take time that's where off? the Mad Man Diaries came from that's right I'm sorry I was thinking for some reason you had that done already mm -hmm. do you think that it changed like the type of stuff you were writing about like the kind it of things you were writing thinking about it changed my writing style hardcore like it, it went from and that could be part college too um, but I think it was almost 100% I was losing my shit I was I didn't know how to cope. Like, <laughs> I had a mental breakdown and fucking lost my mind. But a lot of the stuff in the Madman Diaries is really personal. Like, they're not about you specifically, but the stories in are all very personal. In a weird way, personal. they all kind of are. It's just like I didn't tie it together well enough. Like, well, I, I, I meant like you're not literally the character in yeah, the story. Yeah, no, these are <clears> not. You know, I did, I did. Um, but no, it, it definitely helped me bring the camera a lot closer because there's a, and this might come off wrong and I'm not trying to just talk about me. I'm trying to talk about, you know, like a whole bunch of shit here, but um, it's like, I could seeing dead people <laughs> and then there's seeing your dad dead, you know, and there's you before and after that happens. Um, and it's a lot like getting punched in the face. Like it hits you and it hurts, but it didn't take your fucking head off. Yeah. You didn't get knocked out. You're alive. <laughs> You're still here. You still get to do it. And it makes you look at people differently. Like dealing with it in that kind of a way. Like if he would have died in the hospital, I don't know if it would have been as impactful, but moving him kind of 
change the way that my head worked. Because, you know, your father carries you out of the hospital or there's pictures of dad holding me in the hospital. And, um, it's a weird mind shift. So, yeah, it definitely changed the way that the writing came across. Like, they're, they're similar, um, but it's a lot more of that tell don't show you know like a lot more of and then he walked over here and he ran two and a half before yeah beforehand and then like afterward and you can still see that in the madman diaries there's a lot of the tell don't show but there's also what i develop now to be like kind of my writing style which is leaning on music so i've got like a seven word sentence it's interrupted by a one word sentence it goes to a two word sentence to a five word sentence to a, you know and it's a you know like I'm yeah. constantly shifting gears and I found that shifting of gears inside of the words right after dad died I, I, I couldn't tell a story in long sentences anymore you know like it was a panic attack yeah. And I found a way to work that in. So it, it changed the way that I did that. And, uh, as you said, that what we're, what you're going through right now, that I'm here with you while you're going through. Um, made the jokes a lot darker for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I used to threaten people. Now I just try to make them really uh, fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I forgot I said that. We were stressed out last night. We were watching this Mike Tyson interview. Was that last night? No. Last no. night we had steaks. Okay, God. Yeah, all Friday the days. Um, Jesus, that was like, holy shit, that was the longest day ever if that was last that night. That was Friday night. And we were, we were yeah, because that's when, never mind. Um, yeah, no, we were watching this Mike Tyson interview, and... Brett couldn't handle the feel-good. I couldn't handle the feel-good. Like he was talking about, like, how we're all each other, and, like, you, you need to, like, feel that love and shit like that. I'm really into that, because I'm really into Alan Watts, which is another part of my personality that happened after Dad died. I got really curious about death. <laughs> and... Um, He's talking all about this, and he's like, I love you, man. He's like, I love you too, man. And then you were sitting there, you know, head away from me, but like within, you know, slapping range. And I was like, incest, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> and we laughed for half an hour. Yeah, we laughed and tagged that joke for a steady 30 minutes. It was just. Nowhere, like we were just like yeah. in the moment, like listening to this yeah. really uplifting thing. Like I didn't say anything. Like if I if I say something to you that's like too mushy, you'll like make a joke a lot of the time. I literally not one word came out of my mouth, and Brett was like, "I'm gonna preempt this and just go ahead and lay the joke down, not letting you get any feel goods in." <laughs> I think that's why it caught me so off guard. Though I was just like, "What?" <laughs> No, like I always had a really fucked up sense of humor. Like that's that's early, early, and 
I can't remember when it started to happen, but it just it came out vicious and it did not go back into the bottle. Which is kind of relevant to the coffee cups this morning. That cracked me up when I made. <laughs> I got up and did breakfast and made both of us coffee, and my my coffee is half cream, half coffee. In a little mug with a camera yeah. on it. Well, I hit the make coffee button. I go outside. <laughs> I smoke a cigarette. I come back in. There's only about four inches of coffee at the bottom it's of the sludge. pot. It's just hyper condensed caffeine. I pour that in. It's got like oil uh, rings on the top of it. And I drink four of those fucking things. Yeah, that cracked me up there. Like I sat both of our coffees down next to each other. And his is in a cup that just says fucking big letters. And I was just like... <laughs> There are some differences here. <laughs> it says fuck and then gives definitions of all the usages. As in fuck, uh, fucker, fucking, you know? It's a writer's cup. <laughs> just cracked me up. Got the other one that's got the quote that's been around the internet where it's like, uh, uh, writer's, writer's block. block when your imaginary friends stop talking to you. I think that one was in the dishwasher, so you got the fuck cup fuck. this morning. I got the fuck cup. <laughs> Sounds dirty. <laughs> that reminds me of that of uh, the seven dirty words bit we were watching. Yeah, I made uh, I made Kristen watch all the classic Carlins because my dad was a, a massive uh, Carlin fan and Pryor fan, and. Uh, so we sat here and we watched Seven Dirty Words You Can't Say on Television. We watched the one about uh, when is it okay to take your dead friends out of your phone. I forgot He's talking that. about death. <laughs> what did like, you say, six weeks? Or? He goes, I give you six weeks. Six weeks, lost your fucking number. <laughs> can't race home and do it the day of. God damn. George Carlin. Um, That's a weird question to ask, but I feel like I want to ask it. Do you have any numbers in your phone from people that... Oh, yeah. I don't delete phone numbers. I've got some of the people that gave me their phone number when I was like 16 and got this number. I've still got your old phone number. (laughs) I can probably still call my grandpa. (laughs) I don't delete people out of my phone. I don't delete people on Facebook. It's just not in my DNA. Like, I just stop talking and you can give up on me. But I'm still here, motherfucker. Like... (laughs) I delete the phone numbers after a while, but, um, yeah. I just don't call anybody, because I have 30 minutes. You've, you've heard me on the phone. If it's anybody but my mom, it's a 45-second phone call. <laughs> hey, man, how's it going? Going good, man. How's it with you? You want to meet up here on Tuesday? So, yeah, I'll meet up here on Tuesday. All right, man, bye. And then I have to get off the phone. It's like, I don't fucking sit there and talk to people. <laughs> meet me in person. We can do this all What's day. the funny thing is that's true of me too when you're sober. Like if I just called you because I needed something mm-hmm. or like had a question or I'd be like, why are you calling me? Just text me. Like, <laughs> but shoot like, me a message. When we first started dating, we'd like talk at the end of the day when we were both off work and we'd talk for a couple of hours. Yeah. But that was like a few beers. <laughs> and you were like, okay, it's not weird anymore. Yeah, no. And it's, you know, I'm in a relationship with you. <laughs> I love my friends, but like I, I don't know what you want me to do. Sit here on my porch and tell you about the traffic that's going by. Do you want to go grab some beers or not? Like, what is it? <laughs> what do you want? Friends are important, though. See. Look at you segueing right into stuff. Well, we got shit written down on a piece of paper. <laughs> Didn't have to point it out. But uh... 
No, friends are friends are the shit, man. Like hanging out with everybody last night was uh, fantastic. I it's my favorite bar. I haven't been over there in a long time, and that place threatened to destroy me, and I think wound up saving my life. Because there's something about hanging out in a dive bar to the point where you feel safe being alone at a dive bar at two o'clock in the fucking morning, like nobody there to watch your back. That like you know. You either get sucked into that and it kills you, or you one day just stop going back to that fucking place. And they changed the um, the jukebox. It's electronic now. There's some weird arcade game in the corner <laughs> that was not there. Um, they have not fixed the tables. The tables still completely look like shit, and the cues are all bent to fuck. But they've added electronics, so like <laughs> the dude that came around, it was like uh, Jay's wife's. Sister's, sister's boyfriend or whoever the fuck that dude was um he could like pull out his phone and like pick a song and he played a song called uh eating pussy and kicking ass which i'm gonna have to show you later but it's like i'm eating pussy and kicking ass <laughs> so weird i laughed my dick off um but no, it's it's important to have supportive friends, especially as creative people. You know, otherwise to, we're just know. talking to ourselves. Yeah, like we're basically homeless people that people care about. It's like, what does Brett do? He just writes in his little yellow notepad, and sometimes <laughs> on his pants. Sometimes and, on uh, the back of notes I leave if you. If we invite him somewhere like once every six months he hugs everybody so <laughs> uh sure sometimes he's gonna try to punch you in the fucking face but you know, it comes with the territory i can tell you all those personality traits about some dude like about bumming dollars in front of the fucking walmart in a dress like on <laughs> a hot june day and uh you'd be like yeah i wouldn't talk to that fucking dude but these are people that talk to that fucking dude <laughs> Know. and Sandra's been there yeah, like, my whole goddamn life like I've, I've known her probably for as long as I've lived here like it, she said since known each other grade? since kids yeah known her for fucking ever and I've got so many friends like that you know I don't I don't, I don't talk to you guys as often as I need to but for fuck's sake I think it's really cool it to had a huge impact on me and that's not forgotten you know I wish I, think, I had time to name y'all. I think it's really cool, too, that a lot of those um, friendships... Because I've gotten to know a lot of the people that are relatively close to you. They're not um, with the intention of being like mutually beneficial or whatever. Like I had friends in high school that were friends with you when they were getting things out of you, you know? And um, like a lot of the people that you're close to, it's like, no, I just like genuinely care and support you and they like mm-hmm. reach out and like comment on stuff or like are excited well, for you, you know genuinely just because they thing? are i walked in to the bar and bought beer before i went and talked to them <laughs> i realized they didn't buy beer i was like those bastards so i went ahead and bought the beer i was like i'm going over here <laughs> i'm buying beer before i hug my brothers and then the <laughs> first thing i did i just started making fun of everybody's clothes <laughs> it was just me and jay and zach and then, like, Alex and Josh and Akuna rolled in. And we saw them come in, and Akuna was dressed up like a used car salesman. 
fucking Alex looked like both of Jay and Zach if they moved to Florida and started doing LSD. <laughs> and Josh brought pull cue. He brought a personal pull cue to the dive bar, which means he's just giving up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did all night. I don't. I, I. I. I believe I told him all that I loved him. If I didn't, I'm sorry. But I just sat on a bar stool drinking beer and making fun of their clothes. And like you paid trashing out trashing their kid. Paid <laughs> out the tab before you left too for everybody. So no, like, I love them. They love me, and it was. They were doing the same shit to me and to each other. So it's. It, it, we call each other the degenerates, and we just. It's the angriest little group of lovable psychopaths you'll ever fucking meet. Like, the guns have been pulled on each other in this relationship. Like, fist fights have been had. A lot of people have been screamed at. People occasionally break up with each other and stop talking to each other. But we were all there at Jay's fucking wedding. Like, we, we, we. You're all eternally locked in a group chat too. So yeah. what do you just not acknowledge the one person you've broken yeah, up with I, in the group chat? Look at group chat we'll filled talk to with you next the week. most <laughs> fucked up memes that you'd ever see in your fucking life. Like shit that's like that's not even funny. That's just a picture of an aborted. Wasn't fetus. the name of the group chat I'm on a boat for a while? I feel like yeah, you told it was, me I'm that on I had a boat. boat. It, um, <laughs> we we changed the name one time and started an event on Facebook that was the. Um, gooey necrophiliac orgy, I think is what it was. It's some shit like that. It's just this really fucked up title. And we set an event to go to the dive bar. And then, like, when the event happened, it all popped up on our timelines as Brett Bloom is going to the <laughs> ooey gooey necrophiliac orgy. Oh and I had to click accept. <laughs> There's no way out of it. Mm. My friends are fucked. <laughs> oh, no. That's <laughs> No, and I've got stories like that about so many of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important to to keep those people in your life and, like, hold those people and realize and get, Especially, which, like I was saying a second ago, when it's genuine like that, like, your friends don't hit you up because they want something from you. They hit you up because they care, and then vice versa, you know? And half the time, we don't talk to each other, you know? Like, I hear, you know... (laughs) But when they're, like, doing... Some people every six months, some people once a year, but the love's still there, and that's all that matters. But when they're doing, like, cool stuff that matters to them, like, you've always been very supportive, and they're, like, supportive of the stuff that you do, too. So that's just, like, it's nice. It's refreshing to see that, like genuine level of like care yeah like people come out to meet my mother when she comes in they're like we're gonna go hang out with Brett and his mom it's like what comes out of that relationship I don't know breakfast (laughs) (laughs) let me grab you a refill no your mom's a really nice lady she's fun to be around she's a terrible woman I wouldn't insult her too much. You're a lot like her. I, <laughs> you, you are your mom reincarnated in no form. <laughs> basically just Norman Bates. <laughs> we don't run a fucking motel. Thank you, babe. Yes. <laughs> oh, e. This is the remix. Yeah, I try. <laughs> oh.
But no, it's important to have those people in your life, mm-hmm. your friends and family alike, like an unsupportive family um, or a unsupportive relationship, you know? Like, mm. I'm sure you, like I, have dated people who were like, you can go fuck yourself with your dream. Mm. You're going to go be a waitress and become a baby machine. Or, like Not all the girls that I tried to talk to, I was like, I'm definitely going to be a writer. No, like you're probably gonna be a mechanic, Aww. <laughs> because uh, we got spills to pays. <laughs> Never dated anybody who spoke like that. <laughs> it was the safest words to go with. Uh, on my end, it wasn't necessarily. I don't care about your dreams. It was more. I have dreams, and my dreams are more important than your dreams. So if it comes to one or the other, we're following my dreams. And yeah. Like I don't, but I don't think we're going to though. Yeah. I don't think that's a partnership. <laughs> We've got like a musician and he's like, no, nah, bro, it's going to work out. <laughs> There's no way. You'll never be better than me at my craft. And it's like, why do you, why is it a competition? Why can't it be mutual? Why can't she make film and you write books? Like, why does it have to be? And every once in a while they converge and we make a movie together. Yeah, it's 2019. The fucking internet exists. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, I'm not moving to goddamn California. California, go lick my nuts. Like, <laughs> not moving us anywhere. We don't need to be, or if it's not mutually, you know, ideal, you know. Oh, Winston's walking over here all pissed off. I feel like I've lost the steam. We gotta refind it. Gotta refind it. I've shovel written, some coal into this uh, train. I've written down some funnies just in case I got uncomfortable. <laughs> um, we've covered feel mind of shit. Yeah, I literally didn't even know that I said that. That was what's sad. <laughs> and it was ten you o'clock repeat, in the fucking you morning. You repeated <laughs> it back to me, and I was like, "Yeah, there was shit everywhere." <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a field mind. <laughs> <laughs> you literally just casually go. Or a minefield. And I was like, yeah, there was <laughs> shit everywhere. <laughs> like, so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my cart grocery. I'm just over here pushing <laughs> the cart grocery. You're, you're speaking. Like, that's how the Spanish language is. You're like, you're, like it's kind of backwards. But you know, this is my cart grocery. <laughs> Like cartel grocery or some shit like Maybe that. I was Hispanic in another life. Maybe you were. Maybe, Maybe you were. I was Hispanic too. We should have gone to the goddamn Thai life. restaurant. We should have fucking figured it out. Like, that's what <laughs> I hope it was in that Thai restaurant I, just because that's hilarious. I don't, it can't be because if I missed a Mexican Jewish wedding in a fucking Thai restaurant, I am never going to forgive myself. Okay, for I'm going to convert to Judaism. When you're tan, you it's kind Judaism. of. Whatever. Whenever you're tan, you kind of look a little Hispanic. We're going to get married that's in a Thai restaurant. Oh, God. So. No. That's happening. <laughs> I have openly admitted on public record that I don't know how to speak Spanish. And you just called well, me Mexican. Me. My one plan for today, <laughs> if it went bad, like if there was an uncle there who didn't like me or if I said some shit that offended somebody Were or if you? we showed up way overdressed, I wanted to buy a Team Trump hat and put it in the trunk of the car. I thought you were going to I could say. just walk right into that Jewish-Mexican situation and just start a fight. Like put it on somebody's head and be like, no, man, it looks great on you. But like put it on backwards. It's like a kidney sign, so we think he just got a brand new hat, then they just beat the <laughs> shit out of that uncle. I thought you were going to say you were going to run around saying, Chinga tu madre. <laughs> <laughs> Chinga tu madre. 
and say it like an Italian I just realized that Jews are not Italians <laughs> uh, you're supposed to be more cultured than Shingo me you've traveled more today. places <laughs> you've traveled way more places dreidel 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 I need to fix a tire mm. is that too far Am I gonna have to cut you? Am I gonna am I gonna I mean, have to wield my Mexican, executive editing powers? It's a joke about how they're always out there stabbing each other. <laughs> Joking. I love the Mexican people. <laughs> Some of my favorite people are Mexican. I will get Rodriguez on this fucking podcast. He can talk to my mechanic and Jorge. We can do a whole See, the one Mexican that lives in fucking house. Yeah, Rod. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that fucking dude. But <laughs> Uh, I had a, uh, I got hired, berated, and fired this week in a 72-hour period. That was probably the best thing that happened all week. I totally forgot <laughs> well, about for that. For you, it was super fucking stressful oh, for three days. Oh my god. That I was, was so fucking confused. Yeah. And this guy go, hey, you seem like a business-minded dude, you know, like I've been keeping up with what you've been working on lately, and like here's a job offer. And I was like, well, I'd definitely like to get more information because there was no information. And then the follow-up thing was like, well, here's my business partner, and then we've done this, 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 and this with like all these other companies, and we're just like, we're looking for people like you to help us further, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting here going, this is either a Ponzi scheme or a legit business mm-hmm. opportunity. Be polite, be polite, be polite. And I feel I, like that's your daily mantra, though. Your mantra. It is. Like, playing through your my head. mantra. <laughs> Shut up. My mantra. This, okay, I am now. In this field mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now on my second glass of Merlot. Okay, you don't get to Merlot. judge me. Merlot. <laughs> We're going to have some Follette and McMillan later. I'm going to eat some Follette. So this dude, fucking, he comes to me and he's like, you've got all these great gifts. And I was like, agreed, I do have all these great gifts. I'm very, <laughs> so very, very, very talented individual. And um, <laughs> so like I sweat buckets. I'm like, hey, sweetheart, I got this fucking, fucking, I think there might be like a legit gig. Like I'm pulling in actual money. And then day two comes around and I get connected with the business partner. Dude, added and to like, a added group to a, chat. A fucking group chat. With this other guy, and I'm talking, and we're drinking, and then, um, like, as we're drinking, my phone goes off, and this dude's like, hey, like, he sounds super busy. He's like a car sales type person. He hits me with, like, one o'clock on Saturday, we're going to talk on Zoom. We're going to have a business conference. And I was like, cool, what's the job? And he's like, all right, man, well, I got to get going. And he was like, bye. So I messaged (laughs) the first dude who sought me out. Sought me out for this fucking position. And I'm like, hey, uh, what the fuck are you guys expecting me to do? Like, what is the job? What is the company? Uh, is it a right? And he goes, um, I don't really have time to get into a back and forth right now, but it is, you know, like, it'll be a lot of listening and learning. And, you know, you're going to have to and do this. Basically, don't ask me any questions. Yeah, he was like, we're not getting into a back and forth. And I was like, well, that was kind of a cunty thing to say, but, you know, not my fucking issue. And then... Um, Day three rolls around, and I'm like, hey, dude, I don't like walking into meetings blind. Like, I, if I'm supposed to be taking a job, could you tell me what is the this job a writing is? job? Am I going to be a part of a workshop making commercials? And do you need me to do copy editing? Are you going to pay me 25 cents an hour to 
repost your Facebook shit. But what the fuck do you want me to do? And then he came off like a total bastard. I kind of went off on him. And I was like, fuck you. Fuck no, the thing that cracks me up about all of this, because you read back the comments or the conversation to me. Given the situation, you were extremely polite. Like, I would not have been that patient. I got pissed off near the end. But that was but you were it. still even in, like, your irritation. Like, you're a polite person for the most part. Like, Thank unless you for it's, the opportunity. Yeah, man. unless it's, like, a in-your-face, someone's, like, all up in your business confrontation. Like, you're a polite person. No, and like I know this dude. The dude that's what freaked me out is dude was like, yeah, no, we were in high school together, this, that, the other thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I vaguely remember you in person <laughs> you tell me there's not going to be a back and forth I'm but going he, to strangle you <laughs> you ain't about to do some shit and then not give me any information I'm hop over your desk and bottle you <laughs> he essentially fired you from a job that I didn't have yet <laughs> that, yeah, that you didn't have yet and all he, he did was stress me out he chased you down for because you asked what the company was. It wasn't like, how much gonna, am I going to make? Like, how much time am I going to have? Like, it was just like, I'll do things who? for people. Yeah. Like, and he was just like, I can't answer that. Yeah, no. Like, if that's I've got a sketchy friend who's as got a fuck. Business or like a friend of a friend who has a business and the opportunities on the table, I'm not talking about money day one. Do I like you as a person? Do I like the job? Then we can talk money. We can negotiate after you've sold me on it. But if you're going to try to sell me on the basis of you're a bastard, like, I don't know. Like, like, am I being who, pranked? Do you who just... has a business model of I won't tell you what the job is or who the job is for? Like, that's like... Yeah, well, even if it is a scam... smuggling but... stuff or something. Yeah, like, do you want me to assassinate somebody? <laughs> is this a government project? Am I getting... Is this how people wind up in Blackwater? What the fuck are you... I don't know if you're basing this on my military experience. I don't know if you're basing this on my college degree in fucking creative writing. I have no fucking idea why you want me. I don't know if you want me to pull armed security or write a book of poems, but you're fucking stressing me out. <laughs> Again, all Nobody the would bizarre do that situations that you would You imagine attract. having the balls to do that? Where you're like... Hey, man, you know, you've got a lot of really cool skills, and we're looking forward to meeting you. And I'm like, who's we? And he's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that, dude? Like, that's, oh, fuck that. This is like some taken shit. I've got a particular set of skills. That's what I feel like. I feel like if I would have accepted that call, they would have hacked my laptop, and I would have been fucking gone. And it's probably because I pissed him off, you know, sometime in the past. It's like, I'm going to get that guy back. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck his company. Um, <laughs> air quotes company. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say air quotes. Like, no, I'll, I'll, I will no, rape he, him to death. No, his, his company that doesn't exist because he doesn't have a name for it, apparently. Um, how stress affects art that is created slash... Draws out a person's true self. My true self is ready to rape people for dominance. <laughs> I think you even said that to me before. I, I say that quite you often. You say that to everybody. <laughs> I say it about pawn shop customers. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. I think I you told me you would uh, wear my ovaries as a hat or something <laughs> <laughs> 
the weird shit is not the first time I've used that line. I feel like I did something. These friends. Swear. These friends Have your in own ovary made yarmulke. These friends in tech school and two of them. Do I'm more girls, and that was my go-to fucking answer. I was like, cut your stomach open and wear your ovaries like a hat. Like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> it's not like it came out of nowhere. It's a line that I've used on multiple occasions like a decade ago. <laughs> God damn. Um, but yeah, no, it does that for you. Uh, you beat my ass in chess again. We, we busted out the old chess board that you bought me and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I was feeling too confident and got <laughs> fucked up. You were like, oh, I'm just a little, I, was like, oh, I don't remember how to play the game. I don't remember how to play. I was being serious though. I was like, I don't remember the moves you can make. <laughs> I was like, well, the pawns go any direction. And then I was like, no, they don't but do that. But not backwards. They, they only go. Or diagonally. <laughs> I was trying to explain it to you. So basically only forward. Yeah. Uh, that was fun, though. Yeah, we, we wasted a whole beer on accident. <laughs> we have purchased two chess boards, and I have won two games on either board. That's not true. You beat me quite a bit when well, we I first started. I always lose. Well, it's not... I think the problem is it's not You're that. unpredictable because yeah, you're the problem, walking through a field mine. The problem isn't that I'm better. <laughs> shut up. The problem isn't that I'm better at the game. The problem is, like, I see the chessboard and I'm like, what can I kill? Instead of, like, there's the king. Yeah, How do no, I get Kristen the king? kills all of your pawns so, <laughs> and then starts moving it on your other people. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to kill everything in sight, which is not how you're supposed to play the game. <laughs> At all. That's not how you play. I think that's considered bad sportsmanship, actually. You play actually. chess like Donald Trump runs for presidency. <laughs> so, so, yeah, by the time we get down to your king versus my king, I have way more pieces than you do because <laughs> you're actually playing fairly. I've got, like, my, my, all my big players are still alive, but literally everything mm-hmm. else is dead. And it's like, well, now I am completely <laughs> fucked because she is just eaten away. I don't know why she killed that pawn four turns ago, except now I don't have that fucking pawn Oh, when they get to the end, you get a queen. I don't want you to get another queen. You come out the gate stopping me from getting a second queen before you kill the first queen. You're just out there fucking... (laughs) Just wrecking shit. You're just taking over... No, you play like a communist. You're fucking seizing the means of production. (laughs) (laughs) You're just, you're just down here like I'm gonna win over the people and bring down the fucking hierarchy. <laughs> it's worked so far. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's never worked. I meant it works in the short term. <laughs> yeah, I read. Um... Not the manifesto. no i read whenever we first started playing like some stuff online like talking about like you know chess sportsmanship and like how you play and different like um strategies and stuff like that and that was like one of the things that i saw like don't make your dude run around the board for half an hour well the point is to win the game in as few moves as possible and Mm. like i haven't developed the foresight to like know how to get just to the king so i'm just like if i get all this shit out of the way (laughs) there's the king 
So it's technically considered, I think, poor sportsmanship to play that way. But <laughs> I don't know how else to play so far, so that's what you get. It's like if you were a boxer, you're just punching everybody in the dick. You're just like living your whole life. You're like, I'm going to hit him right below the belt. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was I an could accident. do that. <laughs> Fucking running oh. people over with your golf cart. Mm. <laughs> and is workbook around here? It's in my backpack. And you know which pocket? Uh, the big one. Uh, the big one. <laughs> it's a big backpack. I have a satchel. It's the main pocket. Is mine not in the main pocket? They get so many zippers. No, that's what? not the main. Why does one backpack have 18 zippers? You got a Swiss Army backpack. It is a Swiss Army backpack. You ain't got a Swiss Army personality. You don't need that much shit. <laughs> Snacks and shit on my backpack too. You want you some grab snacks? Grab another beer while you're up. Mm-hmm. Thank you, love. Yeah, um, we've got quite a few things written down. Let me check time while you're up and bouncing around in the shit. Ah. Uh. out all the awkward shit in between. <laughs> no, not all of it, but you know. Uh, this is going to lead to a little bit more discussions. We might be here for like another half hour. Uh, oh God, there's too much head. <laughs> there's never enough head. Well, there's your half head. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Beer. <laughs> You've been dating me for so long. I know, I did the tilt, the glass thing. And it didn't work out in my favor. Mistakes were made. You drink out of my annual autism crawfish boil April 7th, 2012 class without... <laughs> Not going to make fun of the autistic. I think I am one. <laughs> I'm the Elizabeth Warren of the autistic community. Aww. Oh, damn. Okay, but we listened to that podcast this morning and you libertarians are taking over the world yeah, and no, you have to be stopped. We're listening to part of the problem. And apparently it's people like me who believe in the non-aggression principle that are starting all these fucking See, this is a weird relationship in the first place because Brett's a libertarian and I'm a liberal. You are a fucking communist. She's <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you, you like, Trump's Hitler, situations. give him all the power. And I'm like, what the are you doing? This is why it went out of control in the 40s. Because you were like, give the government more power. Also, fuck that guy. He won't be around forever. But when you give the government all the power and that dude is around forever, you just start killing all the Mexican Jews. And now I don't even know what a Mexican Jew looks like. <laughs> the workbook. It's a libertarian's quick take on today. <laughs> So anyway, um, we're almost out of time, so we've got to, you know, hit a topic to end on, and we've got about 15 other things that are written down. I love you. I love but you. staring at me like that. I, was, I wasn't staring at you in a bad way. <laughs> I'm buzzed. I was thinking you were cute. I am cute. Um, you are also cute. Super you. cute. Dress was cute. Thank Sorry, you. you only got to wear it to a liquor store. I still <laughs> got to take you out on like a formal date where we wear stuff to go places <laughs> and do it sober. But we have super water. fancy dinner every night. We do. Uh, tonight, for example, we made fucking hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> but they're tasty burgers. So. But yeah, to uh, kind of close out the show, 
Um, Kristen had brought up how she wanted to um, read something that I'd already read because I walk around with pens. Go ahead. Yeah, Brett's in the habit of um, literally everything that he reads. He highlights or underlines or stars or marks in some way the parts that are significant to him. So um, it was actually one of the first things you bought me when we first started dating. I think um, our first Christmas, you bought mm-hmm. me a poem book by a poet that I really like, um, Liv Lang. Mm-hmm. And um, you said you were going to read it and, like, mark stuff that you liked and give it to me, but you didn't have time because the holidays were, like, right around the corner. Have I not done that yet? Give it back to me and I'll do it. <laughs> but um, we were talking about... Like, lots of promises when I drink. And, uh, <laughs> do the Hemingway thing where I, I, kick, I keep to the promises while you're drunk so you make less <laughs> drunken promises. You were talking about giving me a copy of Freak Kingdom, I think it was. Um, but My you were copy like, when I'm done with well, no. Originally, you were like, I'm going to get you a new copy because that one's all marked up. But like, like it almost came across like it's not any good anymore. And I was like, oh, but like if I read the copy that's marked up, I get to see all the things that like excited you. So um, he let me borrow his copy of the workbook because it's marked to Helen back. <laughs> <laughs> I took this uh, college class, again, I've brought him up before, but Arroyo, uh, go buy his book. It's also in my satchel. I have not read it as fast as I need to, but it's it's so, it's like listening to classical music, and you can't just do that in the middle of your week. Like, you need to be, the way he writes, I'll read some excerpts. It's like wine, you savor it. Yeah, like, it, it's very malty. <laughs> it's a scotch of a writer as opposed to like a beer of a writer like yeah. it's like going to a poetry session is, is brilliant so I'm just going to flip through here because I got starred pages um, all throughout this motherfucker and uh, I can find three or four and if one strikes shit we can talk about it okay. but the book is workbook two separate words memos and dispatches on writing by Stephen Hyten, and this was taught in Arroyo's classroom. And I fell in love with it immediately, and I've read it probably five times, so. Um, let's dive into it. Page 13, and these are broken into flashes. It was a flash fiction class, so. Sign on the wall of a co- corporate poobah in a Heinrich Boll story. A man who has a treadmill installed under his desk so he can both exercise and generate power for his office while he signs forms, dictates, and answers the phone. It's a crime to sleep. What he really means is that it's a crime to dream. I think you shared that one with me back when you were first reading this. Actually, I really like that one a lot. Like you're just a part of the wheel. The huge part of the beginning of the book is this concept of boredom, right? That in 2019, like we're always going, going, going. Like there's no slowdown. It's like I've got downtime. Let me check on my 300 friends. You know? <laughs> me, me thinking, 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 move, move, move. And everybody's in the middle of a panic attack. And we're all losing our fucking minds. And to be a writer in 2019 is damn near impossible. You know, like, 
for example, I was reading that Hunter S. Thompson book, and he didn't know how to keep up with politics in the Nixon era. How the fuck do you keep up with culture today? You can't. At a certain point, you have to shove off, let it go, and talk about this. See this. So on page 15, you see, don't just do something. Sit there. There's a... I, I don't remember what uh, page it's on because I was just skimming this the other day while I was at work. Um, it's Bukowski, right, who has that quote about going all the way? Or has yeah. that whole... Yeah. Um, there's a quote somewhere in that book that's something along the lines of, if it doesn't drive you mad, don't bother. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 if you don't own the workbook, because it's broken into sections, right? So chapter one, given to inspiration. Uh, chapter two, member, mem- it, oh, let me just pull up the fucking mm-hmm. table of contents. So chapter one, given to inspiration. Chapter two, members, memos to a younger self. Oh, my beer is starting to trip my tongue up. It's okay, I'm a little buzzed. <laughs> Three, memos to a writer a decade deep in work. Four, on reading. Fifteen, memos to myself. Five, on criticism. Six, on poetry. Seven, new frames of feeling. Eclectic dispatches. Eight, a devil's dictionary for writers. And nine, on trying to wear Al's shirt. And then acknowledgments in 73. It's a short book. You can read it in an afternoon. It's very clipped. Uh, Most of them are lists. So like three, memos on a writer a decade deep in the work. You're going to find things on page 25. In the long run, curiosity and stamina trump talent. I could see that. If you're someone who lives... um, Like my mom used to give me uh, shit whenever... Like, we would talk about how I was as a kid. Like, I'd constantly ask, like, why things were the way that they were. And, like, if you're always, like, if you have a curious personality and always looking to grow and stuff like that, you have more, um, I guess, like, in your wheelhouse versus, like, if you're just good at, like, waxing poetic about the things that you know. Well, it's the the big takeaway um, from On Writing by King where he says, like, we're just here to build a toolbox. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't be a carpenter without a hammer and a saw and these other things. You can't be a writer without the ability to do X, Y, Z. Can't be a filmmaker without the ability. But unless you're curious and in love with it and ready to die with it, you're never going to build those skills. Yeah. This particular page, you will see, almost everything is, uh, they're both starred. But this one has its own star. So this is number 26 from that chapter on page 29. It says, Fiction writers may gamble when they create main characters who are difficult to like, but they cheat when they concept characters who, unlike you and I, are wholly sympathetic. I, um... Sorry, I don't know why that made me think of it, but in the book that you bought me that I've been reading, there was, like, a section where he was talking about if you have a character, like your antagonist or whatever, that you can't 
um, relate to as easily. Like if you're like in a a stalemate in your story and you yeah. can't really figure out where you need to go, um, take a break from the story that you're writing and instead write a short, I guess maybe flash fiction type piece from strictly just the antagonist's point of view and like answer these like questions. Somebody looking at that character. It's like that son of a bitch, Michael. Michael's my forever. <laughs> yeah. My forever but, yeah, like if if you're like at a point where you can't really progress your story along and like you're having a hard time connecting with this character, like writing a piece strictly just from their point of view, so you um kind of get to know like how they react in situations and like how they deal with stuff. Um so when you go back to your story you kind of know them better as a person, even if they're not someone you directly relate to. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So um, I can't remember where I read it, but I read um, an article once where it was talking about cross-examining your main character as if you were a lawyer. So like you look at their motivation within the story and you're like, well, why did you do that? Yeah. You know, and then you have to fill in the why would they do that? So Brett um, kicks open the trash can thingy with the little step stool deal and then like slams the beer bottle into the... Why is Brett so angry? Why? Why did Brett do that? What in Brett's history would cause him to react that way? Your characters are never cardboard. Yeah. That's why we have a name for a cardboard character. You know, is it a target that's just moving back and forth at the shooting range? Or is it a person? And if it's a person, convince me. Give me depth. This person wears this color lipstick because that's the color their father who used to rape them liked. Again, with the dark turns, though. I, I write a lot of <laughs> stories, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we do weird shit sometimes, and it's not always for a positive reason. Again, stress and trauma. Your characters have stress and trauma. Your characters have lived through stress and trauma and will develop through that stress and trauma. Which, going back to our topic from our... my focus is horror, so it's mostly stress and trauma, <laughs> so I'm sorry if you are a victim of a horrific situation. I'm never making fun of you, and I'm not going to give you a trigger warning. We're all adults here. I Talk did once. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to... I think it was the episode called Edit Sober, if I'm not mistaken. It was the last talk podcast we did. Um, A drunk one. Yeah. (laughs) We were talking about um, people sitting down and just assuming, like, all you have to do to be a writer is just sit down today and decide that you're going to write a novel. And, um, you know, I think that's the level of intimacy that non writers or non-creative people in general don't put into their work you're like oh I have this character and this is how I know them from this day one but most characters aren't infants you know most characters you start out in their adult lives and if you want me to believe that these are real people this is someone who was an infant who went through you know the toddler stages who became a teenager who well, that's the disconnect right like first person has its issues because it's hardly ever good mm-hmm third person has the disconnect of you are God in this universe. You know all about Samantha or whoever the fuck we're talking about. You know everything. But are you a good storyteller to where now you've created Samantha? Can you tell me the story 
so that Samantha becomes alive. And I feel like if she walked into the bar, I could point her out. Yeah, like but I like, should be able. That's obviously Samantha, because like look at the way she walks. You know, I should be able to ask you what Samantha's tenth birthday was like, and you should know the answer. Yeah. Uh, not maybe not all the details, but, but you, you should can, know you her. Can conjure them up. Yeah. You be like, no, I know Michael. Every Michael that I've ever <laughs> had, I know. Ah, damn. See, this is this is not Brett freaking out. <laughs> I freaked out a bunch. We had an emotional episode. You guys can do whatever you want to do, but I'm going to keep doing this because it's kind of soothing. <laughs> Life, no. Number eight on page 39 from a chapter entitled On Criticism. The writing life's cruelest irony while failure can make you miserable, success will never make you happy. I feel like that's true of most like sincere creative people, though. You're sincere always... people in general. It's yeah. what we talked about last week or the week before. Like, if you're not forever striving to better yourself, like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> There's the on poetry section. I think that book is the one that had it. I can't remember what the quote was, but you sent me a picture of one of the quotes and one of the books you were reading, I think towards the tail end of college. And um, it was something along the lines of um, allowing critics of your work to affect the work that you do like being a mistake like whether it's negative or positive like taking that criticism personally um gosh i wish i could remember how that quote was worded complaints is not criticism Mm -mm. no it wasn't a very long quote it was only a couple of (laughs) it was only a couple of lines so it was a short quote but yeah it was something along the lines of taking criticism too much to heart being a mistake how about this for the current job? This might be the quote. Number 11, same page, page 39. The author's job is to try to produce a work that renders the editor redundant. <laughs> the editor's job is to show that the author has failed to do it. <laughs> I like that. got two on the same page for on poetry and then i'll get off it's only like two pages long as all good poetry is it's short (laughs) it's concise number one it's on page 41 poetry colon the art of calling things by their true and secret names i like that you have to look at it as you are not Kristen. you are Kristen exposed but you are only Kristen exposed to Kristen. you give me a face and we're the most intimate. But there's always that. Call it by its secret name. Yeah. What is it about Kristen that makes Kristen Kristen? Do you think anybody ever truly knows anybody? Like you and I... I think you can get really close, but yeah. you're forever going to find a thing that... You know, even at 90 years old, you're like, she doesn't... That's a me. Like you and I in live relationships and in art. Like there's things mm-hmm. that I'll never say in a pen, but I'm happy to say in a microphone. 
<laughs> well, there are probably parts of you, period, that you don't share in your art. Like, you and I live together. Like, we spend a great deal of time together. We have a very intimate relationship with each other. And I feel like there's still... Like, we've gone through a lot of difficult stuff together. But I feel like there's still, like, this, like, sense of... If I'm having a really, really crappy day or I'm, like, frustrated and I know I shouldn't be frustrated, like, I don't want to burden you with my frustration. So that is kind of, I guess, like, a curious thing to think about. Like, even the people that you know the very best in your life, do you really know them as people? Mm -hmm. Or is there, like, this mask of sanity? Most people put on a mask of sanity. Most people want to cry. Oh, I cry to you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you get to deal with my tears no, all the time. We, we talk all the time on a really deep level, which is the only reason why we're comfortable doing it in mm-hmm. front of a microphone. The things that we say to each other when this microphone is off are ten times you know, <laughs> levels, levels, levels <laughs> above or below, depending on your look. But poetry is the act of calling by its secret name like that's that's beautiful if you're gonna open up an advice book and a chapter in that advice book on poetry to keep it as a definition you're like this is what poetry is to me moving forward same page page 41 uh article four the world may not need poets but the earth does The earth needs poets to substantiate it lyrically, redeem it from its current invisibility, make it again tangible to a human world that's decimating nature, or in a flight from it, hiding inside hard drives, the web and other digital habitats. I like that. It makes me weirdly think of, uh, said the shotgun to the head. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of uh, Chalet's, yeah. It reminds me of uh, Chalet's Mont Blanc, which was the one that I I, I definitely didn't do drugs to and uh, read while listening to Alan Watts and (laughs) contemplate the uh, idea of human existence. I would never do anything like that. (laughs) Not you. Not me. I'm on the straight and narrow. I'm on the straight and narrow forever and always. (laughs) New Frames of Feeling, Eclectic Dispatches. Ooh, what a title, New seven. Frames of Feeling. New Frames of Feelings. Let's see if I've got a star. I, I do have a star on the second page here. Got a whole sh- bunch of shit circled. In yeah, that whole book pretty much start to finish is marked up. This was one of Arroyo's big points. So it's three back-to-back. It's 28B, 29, and 29B. These are all lists. At some point, we're breaking copyright laws, though. We can't read, like, this whole book. <laughs> I said at some point, we're breaking copyright laws, though. We given can't read this whole book. book. Yeah, no. But... Only given samples. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, if he gets mad, he gets mad. <laughs> have you heard of Stephen Hyten before? <laughs> at, at this point, I'm plugging him. Please go buy his goddamn book. <laughs> just saying we can't Send read Send me a cease and desist or an angry email, bro. I love you. I'm just a writer trying to help other writers <laughs> like you were a writer trying to help other writers. Like, I, I'm going to read this on my podcast and you'd be mad at me all you want. <laughs> go buy the book. There's fucking 75 pages of what information was it again? I'm not giving you. Workbook, Memos and Dispatches on Writing by Stephen Hyten. 
We can fight me, dude. I live in Murfreesboro. <laughs> <laughs> Not for long, though. No, no, no. Not for long, though. No. And there's an ambulance. It's gonna drive Stephen Height right the fuck out of here. Oh. <laughs> Those are fighting joking. words, Bloom. I'm joking. I'll kill him. <laughs> joking. I'll kill him. <laughs> what? You'd still go out in ambulance, no, though. I'm, I'm, this is how I know that it, it won't be an issue. So, page 52, 28B, 29, and 29B. 28B. Each book is a room. In the home that the rootless writer, the Derosinado, seeks to build out of words, and images, ideas, and narrative. 29. Derosinado, bred in suburbia, Atopia, the generic North American milieu. I don't know if I said that right. Milieu. One of those two. Um, might as well have been born in cyberspace and raised in the food court of an international airport or an old Navy outlet. If they're writers, they have one authentic subject, and that is rootlessness. They'll never have the deep south of Flannery O'Connor, the working-class New Jersey of Bruce Springsteen, the mid-century Southwesto of Alice Munro, the seething Victorian London of Dickens. Pretending to have a true place they know in a radical, intimate way can result in a frantic mimicry. Their life is a postmodern patchwork and they have no native soil. They can write only of their exile, create books that will one day be their home. 29B, I am a Derry Senado. <laughs> was this book uh, dedicated to anyone? I'm curious what the dedication was. There's a forward book. No dedication? I'm not seeing it. It was like if this is also I think for it's Brett. Just for the writers. <laughs> yeah, like if this book is also for Brett, there's far too much synchronicity going on. <laughs> no, I think it's more or less for the students. And then I'll cut in like one last one out of a devil's dictionary and you can go read Al's shirt for yourself because it's a short story that comes, it's a flash that comes at the end of it. A writer, according to Stephen Hyden and workbook memos and dispatches on writing. Writer is someone trying to extend childhood, its exuberant creativity, its capacity for timeless absorption, all the way to death, and thus bypassing adulthood altogether. And a writer's writer, one who lives at or below the poverty line. (laughs) (laughs) To the mountain. So go buy that book. Go buy Arroyo's book. Go buy my book. You can find my book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and also on the Nightmare Box. On blog. the Nightmare Box. Blog. You can you find get us a, at Instagram. No, you'll get a hand signed book at the if Nightmare you, Box. Yeah, blog. Go to Nightmare Box. Blog. Send in your PayPal request. 
give me your address. I will sign it. Chances are good. I'll throw five dollars in that motherfucker. And, you know, I'm still forever because for I think that's a brilliant idea. Intrigued by the concept of signing a sil- No, God, no. no invisible ink. No, that's where you go. That's not where no, I go. No, because that's how you do it. No, we had that conversation on whichever podcast forever ago. Like, a select few special edition books having chunks of a one story. Like, I'm that forever. That really fun. Yeah, like, so ten people get the collector's edition of the book, and those ten people have ten parts of one story. Like, I think I that. could be convinced. If there are enough people that'll that'll send us an email at... TheNightmareBox.blog. And oh, say, wait, shoot. No, that's not our email to us. <laughs> I do not have this down. I bragged about this on that one podcast and screwed myself. An email at nightmareboxproductions at gmail.com. So if you send us an email over there and uh, you can commit, you know, we'll, we'll come up with a, a number or a, a monetary amount that will sell these. They'll be a little more expensive than the... Um, but not much. It'll probably wind up being like $25. If you'd be interested in doing that, shoot us an email. And if we can get 10 people, I'll write a 10-part little story. And we'll fucking open up the Facebook page and let you guys share the story. But you'll have like chapter one or chapter five. And it's like finding the golden ticket. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I will 100% write a story just to give bits of it out you know to 10 people that is brilliant i really like that idea and yeah 100 yeah. percent. send it if you're <laughs> hanging out this late no we're we're, we're doing that shit <laughs> what we'll do that i'll start writing that shit tonight <laughs> the sun's back out kristen opened the blinds back i up. did i realized i couldn't be a recluse at three in the afternoon <laughs> <laughs> but if you're out there you know we love you and uh, if you're also having a rough week you know, hammer down, try to keep with the routine, try to keep with the motivation and hang out with your friends. Hang out with your friends. God bless Or you. tweet us. I mean you can tweet us. <laughs> tweet us all day. Tweet us direct. I ain't got fuck all to do. I work an hourly job. Where can you tweet us at? Uh, at Nightmare Box Pro. And if you take cool pictures of you like being nice to somebody or like reading the book or like you're like, Oh yeah, I just wanna like Here's a picture of me doing my shit while listening to the madman, you know. Fucking, you can put those pictures on Instagram and tag us at... Nightmare Box Productions. And what about Facebook? If you're just sitting around you want to tell us about your day. <laughs> that would be facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Spotify? I still don't have a URL. That's just if you We search, are on Spotify, so if you're a spotty search, person mistakes were made under the podcast section of spotify it's the two of us holding alcohol because <laughs> that's basically yeah. our life <laughs> it, it, it is catching me at the very final moments uh did i miss any i don't believe so i love you and i love you more i love you even more than that <laughs> you're a liar <laughs> and i love you guys take care of yourself and uh we'll see you back in a couple of days